Welcome to Future Horizons, the Tempest podcast. I'm your host, Zevi Watmore. Earlier this summer, Tempest returned to the Farnborough International Airshow, the spiritual birthplace of the programme following its unveiling in 2018. The Tempest presence at this year's airshow offered those visiting a chance to learn more about the work being undertaken by each of the programme's international partners, the portfolio of technology being developed by the Tempest partners, the engagement with an extensive UK supply chain and the programme's positive impact on the UK's levelling up and skills agendas. The airshow was a fitting background for the Future Horizons podcast to support the Tempest story and hear how the programme is preparing for the future. To begin, we caught up with Air Commodore Johnny Morton, UK Programme Director, Future Combat Air Programme at the UK Ministry of Defence, to discuss the progress being made since the UK Ministry of Defence was awarded a contract worth £250 million to progress the design and development of Tempest in the summer of 2021. We started by asking the Air Commodore why moving the Tempest Technology Programme from the RAF Rapid Capability Office to the UK MOD Strategic Programme was a significant milestone in its development. So I think one of the the challenges we've had over the last four years is how do we move beyond what was uh, an organisation that stood up to generate experience engineers to understand what technologies we needed to uh, deliver a combat air program in 2035 uh, with, a, with a main caveat that it was really there to uh, get UK industry match fit to deliver a combat air program. Over the last four years it's, it's done part of that job, you know, it, it's never going to be finished but the reality is we've got to a really good point now where actually we're starting to understand some of the technologies uh, that we need in order to deliver a product in 20, from 2035 uh, and a product that we understand uh, where it sits in terms of capability terms, where it sits in terms of st- strategic affordability across the programme. So uh, in April this year uh, we decided, uh, Defence decided, that we'd move the technology initiative from an RCO programme and move it effectively into uh, Ministry of Defence strategic programmes uh, and therefore uh, coming under the acquisition programme to a certain extent. So we now have uh, within the FCAS portfolio both the acquisition programme and the technology initiative. Why is that important? Well that, that means that we, we can now cohere we can now cohere quickly those low-level technologies that exist out there in industry today with our partners Leonardo, uh, MBDA Rolls and, uh, and, and uh, BA Systems uh, and we can focus those on an end goal. Previously, uh, we were dealing with a series of uh, projects that we didn't necessarily have a, a product to look at. Uh, we are in the process since April, of, uh, April the 1st this year of redefining those technology projects, making sure they're deliverable, making sure they're affordable, making sure they have an end point. And where do they sit in terms of technology for the program? Because if the technologies that are being developed uh, through the technology initiative don't serve me in 2035, I've got to ask the question, is that the right thing I should be doing? Should I be looking at another technology? Should I be looking at something that exists today? Or do I need to do something different in terms of investing more money, more resource uh, into that technology to make sure it does deliver on time? So that's been, that's been the big driver over the last six to nine months is 
trying to cohere technology uh, across the programme. Air Commodore Morton went on to discuss how these technology roadmaps are now feeding into the development of the programme both for the UK and our international partners. The activity we're doing today with our international partners, both Japan and Italy on the core platform, as part of the uh, early concepting activity and as part of the activity that says, can we actually do this together? So it's all about viability this year, about developing those international partners, is uh, we are bringing that technology arm together with our concepting, looking at capabilities, looking at military requirements with, that are developed through the Royal Air Force that come into the program. Uh, we then uh, we churn them through some concepting activity. We then look at what, what technologies we would need in order to deliver that, uh, that capability. That's actually quite a significant piece of work because if you imagine a, just a core platform, the technology to deliver a sixth generation platform that involves uh, information advantage, that involves the movement of data uh, through all domains, that talks about the uh, brand new power propulsion systems, uh, brand new ways of communicating across all domains as I've talked about, the ability to operate in really hostile uh, not only uh, congested uh, threat environments, but also environments that uh, are contested in terms of the electromagnetic spectrum. So we talk about real fifth generation, sixth generation hard capabilities. That's quite a broad spectrum of technology. Uh, that's, not, that's not easy to do. So one of the focuses uh, for the last, uh, since January in fact, uh, has been uh, actually what does, what does that look like in terms of technology areas? Uh, and then we mapping what we have done previously, which has been over 160 projects using our defence scientists, using industry as well through Team Tempest, and we mapping that activity into what we physically need to deliver a capability based on our concepting activity and our requirement setting through, in, our, in the UK's case through the Royal Air Force, uh, obviously Japan and, and, and Italy have their own air staffs that deal with that capability. Uh, and bringing that together to develop effectively a technology roadmap for a product uh, and that product is one that is a trilateral concept with technology roadmaps that allow us to be able to with a degree of confidence deliver a capability in 2035. There are areas today that we know that without, without uh, dealing with them, sentencing them, uh, providing more resource or looking at alternate approaches, we know there are areas out there that we need to do something with. Uh, as we get to a decision on the international partnership at the end of the year, uh, we have to be at that point, we have to understand the entire landscape, know where our problem areas are, know where we're content, know where uh, we are challenged in terms of what Italy, Japan and UK want to do in terms of their own sovereign capability. Uh, and I think that that's one of the, the, the big challenges from a technical perspective that we have our industry partners alongside my requirements managers inside the programme dealing with today, not only in the UK, but internationally with Italy and Japan. We asked Air Commodore Morton how these technologies are helping transform the way the programme is being developed. We, we know we've set ourselves an ambitious uh, timeline of 2035 for an in-service date of capability. That aligns with the Japanese uh, in-service date uh, and indeed with Italy's ambitions as well. 
It's challenging because uh, history tells us, UK history tells us through the Typhoon Programme uh, and through Tornado previously, is that uh, we're talking about timelines that are significantly different. Now, the world's moved, obviously, in terms of uh, digital uh, reliance, digital threads, model-based system engineering, model-based design. Uh, and BA Systems are doing, and in fact all the partners are doing some uh, excellent work to understand how we can transform the way we do business in an engineering fashion that allows us to, to effectively take significant time out of a programme. Uh, and I think a, a good example of that would be uh, previously uh, we might end up going through a development phase, get to an end of a development phase, realise that actually we need to make some adjustments. Uh, and we've done that through actually physically building a demonstrator. Uh, the demonstrator doesn't work on these adjustments and we go through a process of iteratively uh, uh, either you know, repairing, overhauling, uh, you know, changing the design. Uh, on an engine, that can take up to 52, 56 weeks as you, you know, redesign, say, a combustion chamber, take it to a supplier, ask them to go and build you a combustion chamber, and it comes back a year later. Uh, I think some of the, the, the fantastic work, and I'll use combustion chamber again as an example, some of the fantastic work we're seeing at the moment in terms of transformation is that through the use of model-based design, model-based system engineering, and additive layer manufacturing, so how we physically make the parts, uh, we're taking that what was 52, 56 weeks to redesign a combustion chamber, for example, down to about six or seven. So we're, we're, we're taking significantly, significant chunks out of the development phase out of a program that allows us to then focus on 2035. How does that manifest itself? That manifests itself by uh, effectively keeping the program digital longer because we recognize that using digital tooling, uh, we, can, we can design, we can model uh, to a point where actually when we, and I'll say when we press print, uh, the product we get, we have a degree of confidence already that actually that's going to work for us today. Uh, that's just that's one of the, the, sort of the, 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 the great things about this program is that we recognize that across the breadth of it, whether it's in processes of governance, whether it's in processes of engineering, we know we've got to do things differently. And I think one of the, the attractive things about uh, working on the program is it's not just about industry transforming, it's about government transforming as well in its ability to make decisions and its ability to uh, work alongside industry. One of the, uh, the, the, the key tenets of the programme is that uh, I have government personnel, my requirements managers, working alongside industry today, uh, working hand in glove, where we're solving problems together. Previously, it was a very transactional relationship Government would set requirement, industry would go away, look at it, validate, verify, come back. We'd verify and say, yes, that's good, bad and different. The reality is we're doing that together. So it's, it's almost the, uh, the uh, SecDevOps type uh, scenario where, where we are developing uh, t uh, pr uh, technologies and capabilities together. Looking back on the announcements made on the technological developments across the programme, Air Commodore Morton describes why the Tempest Flying Demonstrator is just one example of the transformation taking place to ensure that we have the capability that can be deployed in 2035. I think yesterday here at Farnborough there was the, there was, you know, the announcements on uh, the demonstrator that we've been working on for a couple of years now. Uh, that, that's a really good example of uh, where we know we have a series of challenges in order to deliver a timeline of 2035. 
Some of them are about certification of uh, uh, manned platforms, uh, crew platforms. Some of them are about uh, how do we incorporate digital engineering into a, uh, a, into a modern combat aircraft. Uh, some of them are about do we have the expertise physically uh, in our partners to be able to go and do a demonstrate, build an aircraft uh, or reaffirm that capability. So we are, with, with the demonstrator that we announced yesterday, that's solving lots of different problems for us, you know, whether it's about certification, whether it's about digital engineering, uh, whether it's about weapons integration downstream. Uh, it's an important part of being able to say that we can actually deliver 2035. What I would say is that's not the only demonstrator. You know, every, everyone will focus on that as a demonstrator because that will be something very tangible. It will fly, it will fly supersonically, it will release weapons in a test environment. But the reality is, is that that will be one of many demonstrators that we use to realistically prove the transformation journey that we need to do, de-risk the program and provide benefits that say that actually when we get to 2035 we have a capability we can deploy. And I would emphasize at this point 2035 is the start of the journey, not the end. So when we talk about an in-service date, that's the start. Now historically we've talked about capability having uh, an in-service date, an initial operating capability uh, and a final operating capability, we won't have FOC with this aeroplane because in order to maintain relevance against the threat, we know we have to iterate and evolve at a pace that we've never done before. So we know that FCAS from 2035 will need to develop, will need to spirally develop for decades to come in order to maintain its advantage against the threat that will evolve as well over the next 30, 40 years. So we're here at Farnborough, the first day of the Farnborough International Air Show 2022, and today we've announced some incredibly exciting work on international partnership, on demonstrators, and on the technology that the team's delivering. But most importantly of all, we've announced a new recruitment and skills initiative. We're calling it Generation Tempest, and all that is going to bring in the people that we need for this program into the future. It's really exciting to set out the Tempest Academy, an opportunity to give all of our folk across the enterprise a chance to learn the skills that they need to deliver Tempest. And we've also set out really ambitious plans for bringing people into the program and a whole wide range of skills and disciplines that are needed for a program of this scale and this sort of complexity. I've also had a chance to meet some of the young guys from Generation Tempest I and mean, they are absolutely outstanding. Uh, seeing the energy, the commitment and the professionalism that they bring to the programme, frankly that's what this is all about. They're the people who are going to deliver the programme in future uh, and I'm really excited to see just how much you know, they're looking forward to working on the programme in future and the sort of bonding that they're going through to set out the networks and the relationships that will underpin the programme for decades to come. That was FCAS Programme Director Richard Burson speaking to the Future Horizons podcast on the opening day of the air show, highlighting some of the key announcements made at the show, in particular at the programme's new initiative to attract and develop the people and the skills needed to deliver Tempest. Young engineers and business professionals are playing a vital role in how we're implementing transformation across the programme. The Tempest Early Careers Network, known as Tekken, is helping to drive that change. It was important to tell the Tempest story by having individuals from the network represented as part of our presence at the Farnborough International Airshow. 
we caught up with some of those representing Tekken at the air show. First, we spoke to one of the young people who helped to develop Tekken. This is Dan from BAE Systems. My name's Dan Holsell. I am the FCAS Acquisition Program uh, Contract Management Lead for BAE Systems, and I also am a co-founder of Tekken. Tekken is the Tempest Early Careers Network that builds a community of early careers individuals from across the partner organisations of BA Systems, Leonardo, MBDA, Rolls-Royce and the MOD. Tekken was established to break down organisational boundaries, um, enable a deeper level of collaboration across all of the partner organisations um, and also to provide people with opportunities to meet like-minded individuals across other companies within the programme. The reason it was important to me for Tekken to be established is to make sure that other people across the other companies and organisations could also be afforded some of the great opportunities that I was afforded as a graduate. Um, I was given some lots of experiences, lots of exposure to different parts of the business, different experiences, different customers, um, and this was a different way to bring people together to um, connect and, and, and provide a, a different way of thinking about things. This ambition for Tekken is mirrored by Fraser a fellow apprentice from BAE Systems. I'm Fraser, the Projects Coordinator from BAE Systems, and I try to make sure everyone has the opportunity to really break out of their own company silos, to engage in collaborative projects and workshops with partners from a sort of across the UK. And this allows people to interact and collaborate with people that they never would have met in their regular role uh, and their company. One example of how Tekken is providing opportunities to break silos and allow Tekken members to engage with the programme leaders is described by Tekken member Alicia from MBDA. Hi, my name's Alicia. I'm part of Team Tempest and also the Tekken Early Careers Network. And I just wanted to speak about my experience so far in terms of being a part of really big projects and the amount of influence that I've been able to have. So currently I'm part of a sustainability project, so we've been set a really large question by some of the senior responsible officers to see how Tempest can tackle the issue of sustainability over the next coming years, whilst also being the next aircraft that will be really amazing, but also a, a new thing that is kind of tackling the pressing issues that we're facing at the moment. So obviously this has been a great experience and it's given me a chance to feel like I'm going to make a real change in the British political system, the economy and the world of defence most especially. And with this like chance to really you know, have a chance to speak to senior people, let them know my opinions, give them that younger, fresher approach, it's been amazing for my confidence but also for my career progression and provided me with a chance to develop as an individual. And I think that's one of the main things that Tekken has really provided me with in Tempest as well, is the chance to feel like I can influence policy and influence the world around me in a much larger way than I would have, per se, if I wasn't part of Tekken or Tempest as a whole. Tekken represents the diversity of those working on the FCAS programme, both in the UK and with our international partners. Tekken member Marta from Rolls-Royce tells Future Horizons how this instills creativity and new ways of thinking across the programme. Hello, this is Marta Odino from Rolls-Royce. I'm a mechanical integrity engineer, proudly part of the Team Tempest and of the Tekken. Tekken is the Tempest Early Career Network that brings together early careers to uh, share ideas and collaborate. And uh, um, as you can hear from my accent, I am Italian uh, and I can say that the team is really diverse. 
this diversity brings uh, uh, innovative ideas and uh, challenge you to have a different point of view, to uh, find solution, uh, innovation, and uh, brings uh, innovative idea to, to the project. So please, if you want to join us uh, and the Team Tempest, uh, you can find more information in our webpage uh, and follow us on Instagram. Thanks for listening to our special edition of Future Horizons, the Tempest podcast. <laughs> <laughs>